if you notice already, we're again pausing our Sermon on the Mount series. We will continue uh, next week. Um, and there's a reason behind that. Uh, if you notice, uh, the way we look at uh, the Sermon on the Mount, yes, it's in the gospel, but it's not a narrative. It reads more like if you're, it, as if you're reading Leviticus, right? Or, or an epistle. It's an instruction. So I, I just thought prayerfully that it would be nice to anchor that and to put some context and background to what Jesus is teaching. So hopefully, as we read some stories in the gospel, it will provide some flesh on what Jesus is uh, teaching. So for instance, we're supposed to be in uh, Matthew, 7, 7, uh, Matthew chapter 7, 7 to 12, which Jesus is talking about asking, seeking, and knocking. And that's what you will also see in the story that was just read to us today. These are desperate people. And if you, um, if, you go, uh, if you listen to and watch recent news, it may cause a lot of people to, to panic or to be desperate or to act desperately. Um, and one, you know, for, for instance, in our, in our country, to act desperately is to say, wala nang pag-asa tong bansa na to, I'd rather leave. Or wala na pag-asa yung family ko, I'd rather, you know, uh, forsake them. You know, how do people react? How do you react when you are in a desperate situation? Where do you go? To whom do you look for help and comfort? We have this saying, desperate times call for desperate measures, right? What does that desperate measure look like? For some, it's avoidance. You escape the trouble. In, or instead of flight, you fight it. Fight it in a way that's aggressive. So you, 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 you become angry and blame anyone except yourself or even yourself. Or uh, you don't fight. You don't fly, you, you don't fly away. <laughs> you don't fight. You just have this defeatist attitude. You just accept the situation and do not do anything. Well, today I want to encourage us that we can experience the gospel in a very powerful way, even in desperate times. So let me tell you a tale of two daughters. One daughter, 12-year-old, sick and dying, whose father is desperate for solutions. Desperate for solution. The other daughter has been slowly dying for 12 years. So the, the first daughter, a young daughter, 12 years old. The other daughter, an older daughter, but has been struggling for 12 years. And they were all in a desperate situation. Then they encountered Jesus. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. This is not a parable. It's, a, it's an actual story. So let me share three ways the Lord helps us in seasons that we are uh, desperate. And we will see this in the story that was just read to us. And the outline of the text is uh, already here, flashed on our screen. 
Alright, so the first thing the Lord does is He responds to our cry for help. You know, for, for people who are hurting, if you're hurting, if, if you are longing for uh, a solution to your desperate situation, the first thing you want to know is that someone is listening. Right? Someone is listening. Someone knows your situation. Kaya nga minsan, kahit na walang advice yung person, you just, you, you say, I just want you to be here. I just want you to listen. You don't need to give some solution to my problem. I just want you to be here. Well, to respond is not just to listen or to be there. To respond is to hear, to look, and to act. Well, some people look to you, but they do not listen. Some people listen, but they do not act. But the good news is that God hears, looks, and acts on our cry for help. You know, that's the beauty of the gospel. That the God of the universe, the maker of heaven and earth, is listening to you because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, God's Son, the Heavenly Father, is paying close attention to you, most especially to your cry for help. And, and I hope that will you know, put some, uh, some emotion when we read, uh, when we go back to the Sermon on the Mount next week. But look at how uh, the Old Testament shows this when... Uh, when the Israelites were experiencing difficult time, desperate time in the hands of the Egyptians, this is how uh, the Lord saw the, and the Lord responded in, in that uh, encounter. Uh, Exodus 3, verse 7 to 8 says, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their slave, uh, slave masters. I know their suffering, but did God just stop there? Verse 8 says, I have come down to deliver them out of the hands of Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and wide land, a land flowing with milk and honey. But how do we see that in our story? How, how do we see Jesus hearing looking and acting in our story. Look at our passage again, uh, verse 21. Uh, when Jesus had again crossed over by the boat, the other side of the lake, a large crowd got, gathered around him. Then one of the synagogue rulers, and he was named, his name is Jairus, came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. And this is the plea. My little daughter is dying. You know, if you have a daughter who is at the point of death, I think you would do the same thing with what Jairus did. So this is his prayer. Please come, put your hands on her so that she will be healed. Keep that in mind. Please come, put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. How did Jesus respond? What's the response of Jesus? Verse 24 says, 
Jesus went with him. No words, no condition, he just went with him. He did not say, well, Jairus, you need to wait. Uh, there's a long line, there's a long list of prayer requests, the line is at the back. First come, first serve. He did not say, Jairus, I will go with you, but first be a member of a church. You know, preferably Cornerstone Makati because that's a gospel-centered church. Be part of that church. I will answer your prayer. I will go with you. No, he just went with him. Why? Why would Jesus do that? Ano kaya sa palagay niyo yung dahilan? Bakit sasama lang si, si Jesus kay Jairus just like that? Well, let's try to see Three reasons. I'll give three reasons. Well, perhaps because the, ones, the, the one asking for help is a synagogue ruler. So if you, if you heal the daughter of a religious leader, and in, the, in their culture, a religious leader is also a political leader. So if you help this guy, you are making the right connections. It will help you along the way. So it's going to be an investment, so to speak. It will help the cause. It's going to be a, a great public relations opportunity. That's one reason. The other reason, maybe because of the way he pleaded, he fell at his feet. Keep in mind, this is a well-respected guy. And yet, he fell at the feet of Jesus Remember, you know, um, you know, falling at your feet, as we have uh, seen last week, is an act of worship. You do not do that with just a teacher. You're, you're basically removing all pride, re removing all pretense, and you're just at, your, um, at the feet of the one you're asking help from. He's pleading like there's no tomorrow. Maybe that's why Jesus went with him. Because of the way he pleaded, he pleaded the right way. Or, reason number three, maybe because of his request. Because his request was very specific. He knows what he wants. He verbalized it. You know, at least Jesus knows what Jairus is, uh, is requesting, and he's not beating around the bush. Please come, put your hands on her, and she will live. She will be healed. But let me just uh, do a, a quick pastoral side note here. You know, when we pray, how specific are we with our prayers? How, are we, how specific are we with our petitions to the Lord? Or, or do we make general petitions to God? You know, when we make specific uh, requests to God, even in the midst of desperation, just like Jairus, it reveals our understanding of who God is, of what God can do. It reveals our faith. And I think this is, you know, the reason why Jesus went with Jairus. Aside from 
you know, the big possibility that Jesus had compassion on the daughter, the request of Jairus has a faith component. It's a prayer that was prayed in faith. Again, look at that. Please come, put your hands on her, and she will be healed. You know, a prayer in faith, specific. Jesus need not say anything else but responded to Jairus' plea for help. Okay, Pastor, does that mean, you know, just like Jairus, do I have to be very specific in my prayers? Do I have to be in a good religious standing uh, for God to, uh, with God to hear my cry for help? Would Jesus go with me if I have all those three things that I am, you know, a, uh, a religious uh, figure, that I pleaded the right way, that I was very specific with my, with my prayer? If I have all those three, is that an assurance that Jesus will answer my prayer? What do you think? No? <laughs> so guys, there's an answer in our story. Because we see someone who doesn't have all of that. Who doesn't have all of that. Look at the next part of the story. So a large crowd followed and pressed around him. Verse 25. There's a, an insert in the story. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Bleeding for 12 years. Now we will look at this uh, later on in the story. But obviously, if you're bleeding for 12 years, you're in a desperate situation. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. You know, if you are bleeding, aside from, you know, this being a really difficult, painful uh, experience, this is probably shameful as well, right? You, you are considered unclean. You are similar to uh, those who have leprosy. You are in the same category. You know, uh, a menstrual period uh, is considered unclean in the community, but you only have that once a month. I, not once a month. I don't know. So I, I'm not a lady. <laughs> a few days in a month. At least a time in a month. But 12 years? To be considered and be an outcast for 12 years? No wonder she's desperate to touch the cloak of someone she thinks will help her. But unlike Jairus, this woman is not a religious leader. She did not even verbalize her prayer. It was just something that she's thinking about. And yet, in her desperate need for help, the Lord answered. How? What's the answer? Immediately. That's the word that Mark used, immediately. And if you go through the, the Gospel of Mark, that's one of his favorite words, immediately. 
Jairus was a religious figure. This woman was an outcast. Jairus verbalized his request. This woman just thought about it. But they both got what they were looking for. Because there's one thing similar with, the, with Jairus and the bleeding woman. And I think you can guess it. They both acted in faith. And Hebrews 11.6 reminds us, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It says, without faith, it is impossible to get God's attention. And if you read through the gospel stories, you will notice that when someone displays an act of faith, Jesus will always make mention of it. Do you notice that? When someone uh, uh, displays an act of faith, whether it's a small faith or big faith, Jesus will always mention it. On the, on the opposite end, on the contrary, when someone is showing lack of faith, you know what Jesus will always say? Oh, you of little faith. You know, friends, this is the only thing that we put on the table. Our faith is the only thing that we put on the table when we cry out to God and seek His help. It's not our good religious standing it's not the manner of how we cry out to God. It's that act of faith in prayer. And because of Jesus, our cry for desperation, whether it's very specific or just a thought that you are afraid to verbalize, we are assured that we are heard. that God is paying close attention to us, his face is turned toward us, and the only thing that we contribute to that equation is to pray in faith. That's why when, when we read a passage that says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you shall find, knock and the door will be open. We better believe it because it's the king who said that. And of course, there are barriers why we cannot believe that, why we do not present boldly a prayer of that faith. But Philippians, Paul reminds the Philippian church, Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Request. So while it is comforting to know that, like Jairus, we are assured that the Lord is journeying with us, even in our desperate times, if you're in a desperate situation, yes, you want someone to hear, to look, and to act, but obviously what you really need is rescue. Right? And, and this is our second point, that the Lord not only responds, but rescues us from our troubles. Let's continue with the story of the woman. So again, uh, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And the woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. 
Here's a, a further description. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew far worse. You know, obviously when we read this, we, we see how difficult this situation is, but, but it doesn't really affect us on an on a emotional level because we don't know someone who's bleeding for 12 years, right? We don't, uh, we, we are, most of us are unaware of someone who's suffering for this for more than a decade, but change the medical condition into something called cancer, it becomes real. It's become, it becomes grounded on something that we grasp and something that we struggle with. Look at the desperation in her action. She came up behind Jesus in the crowd and touched his cloak. And the thought process behind that is this. If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And she was rescued, right? But how did the woman got rescued from this desperate trouble? Let's look. One, there, there was obviously physical healing. Verse 29, immediately the flow of blood dried up. So meaning, even at that point, there's bleeding. Even at that point. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. You know, we could say that that would be enough. We could say na, oh, oh, the lady is healed, end of the story, done deal. You know, if we're asking physical healing from Jesus and we get it, we're asking for the bare minimum because he can do so much more than just physical healing and that's what Jesus did for the woman. In fact, Obviously, Jesus knew what, what's going on in, in this situation, right? And he could have just said, okay, someone touched my cloak. I know uh, she's healed. Let's move on because there's a 12-year-old lady that needs my help. He could have done that. Instead, what did Jesus do? Jesus looked for the woman. He looked for the woman. He doesn't have to. The woman was already healed. He can move on. You know, just pause and let that sink in for a moment. How many people do you think are seeking after this woman? She has no money. It was all spent in that medical condition. Considered unclean because of her condition. And she's getting worse. No one was looking for her. Everyone is staying away from her. But here the Son of God is looking for her. How awesome is it to know that those that we consider insignificant, that those that we consider outcasts, are actually the ones Jesus was looking for. Why? 
She already had her physical healing, right? Well, Jesus was looking for her to not just physically heal her, but to free her from her suffering. Pay attention to what Jesus says to the woman. Verse 34, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Let's unpack that statement. You know, when do you think was the last time someone showed kindness to her? When do you think so, the last time someone called her daughter or friend? Concerning she is what her society would call unclean. Perhaps she had already had the moniker, the, the bleeding woman. In fact, that's what, what your Bibles uh, call her, right? The bleeding woman. But Jesus calls her daughter. Your faith has healed you. It's not your superstition, not the clothes, not the, the, you know, the, the manner that you touch the, the cloak. That's why, you know, when, when some religious groups try to emulate this and say, you know, if you just touch the clothes of the pastor, you will be healed. Yeah, I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> but it's the faith. It, Jesus said that your faith has made you well. Here's another one. Go in peace. What's that? Shalom. Well, you know, Jewish people will normally say that. When you're, when you're leaving uh, you know, a conversation, you say Shalom. It means goodbye. Well, go in peace. But it's a, 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 a courtesy and, and you're just saying basically bye. But I, I think it means more, so much more than just saying, okay, we're done here, goodbye. Jesus is saying, you know, you've been living for 12 years without peace. This time you can. This time you can. So be freed from your suffering. This is probably the best words she has heard in years. You know, friends, physical healing, whether we receive it or not, does not always mean being free from suffering. And for that, we need Jesus. We need his peace. Let me just give some, you know, something to reflect on. Maybe you're looking for God to rescue you from something. You know, the Lord rescues us beyond what we think we need. The woman was just looking for the bleeding to stop. Jesus gave her freedom from suffering. More than just giving you the job that you're looking for, more than just giving you the financial blessing you think will make your life better, more than just physical healing, Jesus is there to make you whole, to give you shalom. Because the Lord provides complete and full restoration. Look at this psalm, Psalm 121. 
I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and the earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Pastor, what if the trouble that I am experiencing is because of the blunders I've made? Will the Lord still rescue me? You know, that's exactly the message of the cross. We are in this mess because of our own blunders. And Peter says, He himself bore our sin in his body on the cross so that we may die to sin and live for righteousness, that by his wounds we are healed. And because of that, we have this renewed hope in the Lord. And that's what we see as we end uh, the story, uh, our story in this text. You know, very often we know that the Lord will answer our prayer and he will rescue us and, and it gives us hope. But what happens when that source of hope is gone? Just imagine Jairus was walking with Jesus and there's this, you know, disturbance in the crowd. Someone got healed. Someone got healed. And if you're a Jairus, you're, you're saying, wow, this is it. I will, my daughter will finally get the same thing, right? They come home. The crowd says, your daughter is dead. What? It's too late. And this is probably a difficult thing for Jairus to hear. And if you're a dad, you hear that, that will break your heart. You witness a miracle, but that delay, that delay, the situation would have, may have caused her daughter's life. But here's the hope that is renewed from Jesus. Verse 36, overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, keep believing. Do not fear, only believe. Stop fearing, continue believing. Friends, the good news here is that Jesus sees things differently than us. That while we see death, we see hopelessness, we see dead end, we see desperate situations, Jesus sees it as an opportunity to give us hope. What did he do? Verse 38, when they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said, why are you, why why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. I'm, I'm trying to imagine, you know, the situation here. At, in, in, in a minute, you were, they were all crying. In another minute, they're all laughing. <laughs> Seems ridiculous. <laughs> but what did Jesus do? Verse 41, he took her by the hand, 
look at the how Mark words this. He took her by the hand and said, Talita kumi or kuum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. And this is exactly what Jairus was asking, right? Put your hands on her and she will be healed. You know, how does the Lord renew our hope in him? He gives this word of encouragement. Don't be afraid, just believe. He reminds us that we need to see things from his, from his perspective, that she's not dead but sleeping. And then he commands us to move. He speaks life into our hopeless state. Little girl, get up. You know, are there things in your lives, brothers and sisters, that you've stopped praying for because you stopped believing that God can do something about it? Are there things in your life that you'd rather do your own thing because you can do something about it? You know, we, we are a culture growing, growing to be more prayerless. We're trying to uh, replace prayer with things that we think will help us. We're, we're sleepless, we're worried. There's some things to take, to drink, to make that go away, right? We're lonely and, 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 and scared. There are a lot of streaming services to make us not lonely. We're trying to move away from depending on the Lord. But why don't we pray for the Lord to speak to us in a very meaningful way? Why don't we ask the Lord to give us this word of encouragement? Don't be afraid, just believe. Why don't we ask the Lord to, to help us see things from, from his perspective? Why don't we pray that the Lord will cause us to move from our helpless, hopeless state into a season of hopefulness? And you know what? We don't have to wait for a thunderous voice to speak to us, to speak to us to experience that. The Lord has been doing that through the ordinary means of grace. And that is his word. He speaks to us through his word regularly. And you know, that's what happened with, uh, with Don Moen. Uh, one, the, one of the songs that we sang earlier, he's the singer and author of that song. He's actually more famous with the song, God Will Make a Way, right? You're very familiar with that. You know, Don Moen uh, wrote portions of this song while on a plane to attend a funeral. A funeral of his young nephew. The family of Don Moen's uh, brother, they, they were on a vacation 
And on their way to uh, Colorado, their, their van uh, was hit one with, uh, by an 18-wheeler. So they were throughout, uh, throughout uh, from the van. All the four children were uh, out of the van. Uh, all three children, the three children, they were located, they're alive, injured, but they were alive except for one whose neck was broken. So on the plane to attend to that heartbreaking funeral, uh, Don Moen was reading Isaiah 43. And Isaiah 43 uh, says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. So he wrote on a piece of paper along with the words, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. There seems to be no way for Jairus and his daughter. There seems to be no way for this bleeding woman. It's been like that for 12 years. The only way was Jesus. You know, this is a prayer of faith. Maybe you can see it. You cannot see it right now. Or maybe you will not see it at all. Just like Job, who never understood you know, his own suffering. But let's put our faith in God who can make a way in the desert and stream even in the wasteland. You know, whether it's a 12-year-old girl who is sick and dying or a woman slowly dying for 12 years, Jesus comes through for them in the moment where it seems like there's a wall in their lives. Would you trust Jesus to come through for you? Let's pray. God, we thank you for this beautiful story of compassion and, and miracle, love, and faith. Thank you that we have a Savior who responds to our cry for help, that your ears are not deaf when we cry out to you, that you know very well what's going on in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, thank you that we have hope in our Savior when it seems like we are, time and time again, we've, we are desperate for help. Lord, when, when we are disappointed in circumstances around us, when we are even disappointed at ourselves, Lord, renew our hope that we can cling to you as the anchor of our soul. Lord, I, I pray for my brothers and sisters here who may have been going through desperate situations. May they see a way through the desert. May they experience streams in the wilderness so that we will cause, that you will cause us to celebrate. And thank you for, for reminding us that through and through, 
you will never leave us nor forsake us. Grant us the faith to come to you, to ask, to seek, to knock, and to be confident in the promise that you will hear us and you will answer us. We thank you, we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.